listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Nice to have you along as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram is where to find us at Sports Talk without all the trash talk. It's our anniversary on the Beyond the Game program. It was on this week five years ago. Zach and I walked into the studio along with our good friend Darren Metzger, who has since moved to the other side of the country, not really sure what would happen, not really sure what to expect. Was there even any interest in a little sports talk radio program that added a biblical perspective? But that was five years ago. And here we are, five years later, God has always provided, he has been faithful to provide us with topics, guests, opening the door for biblical discussion, the gospel of Jesus Christ going out almost every single week that we air this program Zach, any thoughts in particular that stick out to you over where this show has gone over the last five years? I think what's been most interesting to me is how the show has sort of turned itself into something that's not at all what we imagined it would be. You know, at the beginning, we planned on we're going to do multiple interviews for each show, and we're not going to actually have to Mm -hmm. talk all that much. And what it's become is we found out it's very difficult to get interviews, um, but that sort of forced us to get better at our part of it at the discussion and the planning and stuff. And I feel like we've actually grown and we've gotten halfway decent at it. I suppose for me, it, it has been the faithfulness that God has shown while it's been fun to do. I mean, I enjoy coming in here and talking sports with you, but I'm amazed that week after week, God has not only provided financially for the cost of airing this program, which I might add is not inconsequential, but he's given us the material. He's given us the things from the sports world which lend itself very naturally to offering a biblical perspective. I thank all our listeners. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your encouragement. It's always nice to hear from you. Thanks to the many of you who have downloaded the pro- the podcast. Really, some places since day one, five years ago, week after week, we thank you as well. The NBA draft lottery was held this past Tuesday night, and what a spectacle. That turned out to be the marketing machine, the marketing machine of the NBA. Let me tell you, these people are good at what they do. They took an, what amounted to really just an announcement of the draft order. That's all it was, was an announcement of the draft order. And they turned that into a fan event, an hour long television broadcast, complete with all the anxiety and tension of a blockbuster movie. Despite having the worst record in the league, The New York Knicks lost out on the top pick. That going to the New Orleans Pelicans, they lost out on the chance it would seem to draft Duke's Zion Williamson. They had the worst record in the league. They've been pitiful for years, and the best the Knicks could come away with is a number three pick. Knicks fans, they can take solace in this, though. They're not the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got railroaded. The Phoenix Suns got railroaded. They'll pick fifth and sixth, respectively. At least the Knicks came in in the top three, and that's anybody would tell you going into this draft, that's where you wanted to be. New York, Cleveland, Phoenix all have the same 
14% chance, even though the Knicks had the worst record in the league, they all had the same 14% chance at landing the top spot by virtue of being the bottom three teams in the league. The Bulls had the next shot, 12.5%. They'll pick seventh. So, Nick fans, be happy at three. You're not five. You're not six. You're not seven. Going into the draft, as I said, the general consensus was you really wanted to be in that top three. That meant you were guaranteed to either get Zion Williams, the prize of the draft, or John Morant out of Murray State, or R.J. Barrett, Williams, Williamson's teammate there at Duke. These are all projected to be franchise-type players. But for the Knicks, it just seems nothing ever seems to go right for them. Three is nice, but it's not number one. The Knicks haven't had the top overall pick since selecting Patrick Ewing in 1985, this despite being just a a horrible example of a franchise. The Knicks have been foolish over the years with first-round draft choices. They've squandered many of them away. They haven't had a whole lot of them because they squandered them away in trades. Fans were shocked. Fans were angry. Fans were disappointed several years ago when the team drafted Kristaps Porzingis and when those emotions turned into uh, delight and, I guess, surprised delight after he became one of the best young players in the league, he goes and gets hurt, and then he wants completely out of town. The Knicks were loaded with bad contracts. Even worse, they had plenty of bad players. Local hero Carmelo Anthony was going to perhaps be the savior of the franchise, but he was a shell of the player he once was, and the Knicks had nobody to put around him. I mean, this this has been a franchise that has just been troubled, if you want to say cursed, whatever. So now here's Knicks fans counting on the number one pick. Counting, Look, they endured last season. They were terrible, but at least we'll get the number one pick. At least we'll get Zion Williamson. But once again, for Knicks fans, draft night was a disappointment. And this wasn't even really draft night. This was draft lottery night. Once the sting of not being the number one pick goes away, then I think reason will start to set in for Knicks fans. And they'll realize that their team is going to get a great player in what will probably be R.J. Barrett. The minute the official announcement is made on June 20th that the Knicks have selected Barrett, or even if somehow it's Morant at that moment, they're a better team than they were when the season ended. And maybe more importantly, for the first time in years, they have hope. A year ago, R.J. Barrett was projected to be the number one player. That's how good he is. Not a consolation prize, at least not until Williamson emerged as the dominant force that he has become. But what Nick fans have to realize is that Williamson, despite all his talent, was never the real prize. The Knicks are focused on July 1st, not June 20th. June 20th is nice, but July 1st is the start of the NBA free agency period. The Knicks are expected to sign two elite Players, and if you believe reports, it's already been decided that the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will join forces in New York. There are rumors that the Knicks would go after Anthony Davis of the Pelicans, even if they got the number one pick. But at number three, Barrett seems to me like a much better fit. He'd be a great fit next to Durant and Irving. In my opinion, better than trading him to New Orleans and somehow trying to fit in Anthony Davis alongside Durant. The Knicks strategy this past season was failure. Heck, it's something that the franchise has gotten rather good at. The Knicks were in position to turn around the fortune of the franchise, to turn this thing around, and fans' initial reaction at this draft draft lottery that it was just another failure when, in fact, it's really reason for optimism. 
it's not a disappointment. This should be optimism. When dealing with disappointment, as cliche as it sounds, you have to accentuate the positive, as the song says. You have to look on the bright side of your life. You didn't get the job you wanted. All right. The sellers of the house of your dreams accepted somebody else's offer. All right. We all deal with it. Whatever it is for you, it just didn't turn out the way you expected. You're left disappointed. You may have done all the things that people tell you to do. You prayed about it. You quoted scripture all day long, and you still didn't get what you wanted. Things didn't turn out the way you planned. It hurts. That's okay. Let it hurt, but don't let it defeat you. Don't let it overcome you. Hurt for a little while, then get up, brush yourself off, and move on. Pray about it. And by the way, you could be honest with God. He already knows, by the way. So what's the sense in hiding it? Be honest. You know, be reverent, but trust that he has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. So many people in the Bible dealt with exactly the same thing. Disappointment. You can think of Moses, David, Jacob, the list goes on. Paul, even Jesus experienced disappointment. Not everybody responded to his offer of salvation. That was disappointing for him. There's the account of the rich young ruler who wanted to follow Christ, but wasn't willing to give up his great wealth to follow. In Mark's account of the happening, he makes it a point to tell us in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, that Jesus loved him. So you can imagine his disappointment when this person whom Jesus loved, and of course we know Jesus loved everyone, but Mark made it a point to let us know this, this guy turned away and he didn't follow. And of course, many people rejected Christ. The people he had fed, people he had taught, people he had healed, he was rejected, tortured, and killed. We will face disappointment throughout our lives. We all will. So we need to learn how to respond to it. We shouldn't whine about it. We shouldn't focus endlessly on the fact that we didn't get what we expected. After all, it's really not about our wants, is it? It's about what God wants for us. Jesus would have preferred to have not gone through the ordeal of the cross, the torment of the cross. He asked that if, if there was any way that God would take that away from him. But ultimately, he was yielded to the will of the Father. Luke chapter twenty-two forty-two says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It's not about our wants. It's about what God wants for us. Perhaps our disappointment can be viewed as a lesson. It might be good to think about where and maybe even in whom we place our hope. Of course, it's perfectly all right to want things. Sure, it, it's okay to want to excel at something. Sure, but our happiness is not dependent upon those goals. Learn to place your hope solely in God. God never promised everything we want in life. He never promised that it was going to be easy. Psalm chapter 34, verse 19 tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Just like Nick Vans getting over the sting of not getting the number one pick in the draft, the hurt's going to go away. As the hurt fades and you begin to think, you know what, maybe this result isn't so bad. Believers in Christ can know that God will use your disappointment ultimately for your own good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Remember that 
it's not God who disappointed you. It's people or it's circumstances. It's not God. Don't blame him. Turn to him. He went through the disappointment, the pain, the humiliation of the cross for you. He loves you. He cares about you. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Though you are guilty of sin, though you are justly deserving of punishment, Jesus paid the penalty of our sins on the cross. That's why he allowed himself to be beaten, crucified, tortured, uh, rejected. It was for you and me. Out of his love for you, he was paying a debt which you and I owed. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God is faithful to forgive us our sins, to wipe away all our sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope that today... You will pray to God and admit your sin and guilt to him. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he was buried and rose again. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to help you repent from your sins. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Time to take a break, but if we can help, be sure to let us know. You can reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks again for being with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game Program. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the program. Glad to have you here with us on the Beyond the Game show. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording from the BTG studio. But, of course, you can get the show wherever it is that you are. It's available at your convenience via podcast. It's downloaded every week all around the globe throughout these great United States, places such as Cooperstown, New York, which was one of the many places to download last week's program, home, of course, to the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. Thanks for listening out there in Cooperstown, wherever it is you're listening from. However way you're listening, we thank you as well. Let me give it over to you, Zach. You can hit us up with a couple of your shenanigan statements. 
Number one, Broncos quarterback Joe Flacco said this week it is not his job to groom Drew Locke as the Broncos franchise quarterback. Truth or shenanigans, it's not his job. I agree. It's not his job. I mean, that's the sort of funny thing about sports. You groom the person to take your job. Mm -hmm. I get it if you're really at that end of your career. Say a guy like Mariano Rivera, you know Mm -hmm. I'm about to retire. Of course, Mariano was pretty open with that cutter all his career, but no, it's not his job, but I still think that's a pretty lousy thing to do. You know, you are part of the team. Help the team succeed. Help the the guy become better. But I guess there is a line where you're actually helping them to make you become unemployed. Yeah, well, I have to agree. You know, it's not his job. He didn't ask to be there. He was traded there. You know, he's making the best of his situation. But at the same time, like, you're going to leave some kind of a legacy behind when you're done in the league. Sure, he won a Super Bowl or whatever, but do you want to be remembered as the guy who wouldn't groom the young guy? You know, the the old curmudgeon. So, look, it's not his job. He doesn't have to, but come on, help the kid out. Yeah, it just looks bad, I guess. Yeah. But I, I get it. It's not your job. It's bad optics, as the kids say. Truth or shenanigans, after the way last season went, the Lakers are better trading LeBron James for draft picks rather than building around him at his age. Mm. Boy, that's... It's hard to say you'd ever be better off without LeBron James. Wouldn't you always be better with him? Mm -hmm. But you are talking about a guy that has played a a lot throughout his career and and is getting towards the other guys his age that came in with him. They're all retired or retiring. But I'm going to say shenanigans. No, I think you're better with LeBron James, but I can see the point. I'm going to say shenanigans as well. And my main thinking is, He's one of the greatest players ever. A lot of people think the greatest player ever. You're not going to get fair value for him. So whatever you trade him for, you're not you're you're giving something up in the deal. So in my point of view, you almost can't trade him because whatever you get for him, it's not enough. Yeah, and in some ways though, nobody else develops either. As mm-hmm. long as he's there, he's the man. But he should be the man. Last but not least, following championships by the Red Sox and Patriots, Should the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, it would firmly establish Boston as the premier sports city in the country. What do you think, buddy? Gross. This whole question (laughs) makes me want to vomit. But look, obviously it doesn't. It would make them the most successful sports city of the last few years. But, I mean, not to do the whole 27 rings thing, they haven't come close to the most championships. Uh, It doesn't make you the greatest sports city in the country. It just makes you the most successful of the last few years, sexiest accent or not? I, you know, I'm going to say it. I actually agree at the moment. Now, I will say this. Until you have two teams and three in some leagues mm-hmm. in your city, then no, you're not the premier. Look, New York's got two teams in every single sport, but I would take championships over having multiple teams. I mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to argue the point. They're very, very successful up there. Does it make them their premier? I think it probably does at this moment. But I, but I do think that having enough of a passionate sports base to have two teams. But you know how I feel about the passion of the Red Sox fans. Mm-hmm. I wish Yankee Stadium had that behind home plate in, in Fenway is incredible. The passion. The, yeah. The, the, the fans there and the Yankees are just the seats are empty because they're so stinking expensive. I would just like to point out, I agree with everything you said, except for one thing. New York only has one sports team. It's for a football team. It's New Jersey that has two. 
Coming up next, you like that? You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Well, my hand is shaking and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own feet. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Spring is finally here. The grass is actually visible, and pretty soon those pesky critters are going to be coming out. Whether it's ants, bees, mice, or even raccoons in your attic, Town & Country Pest Solutions have a solution. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Time for our You Like That segment. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Charles Glenn has been singing the national anthem at St. Louis Blues games for 19 years. However, in recent years, the stairways, the concrete floors there at the arena have made his joints and hips hurt more and more all the time. It has been nearly eight years now since Glenn was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. As a result of the growing pain and difficulty, Glenn had announced right after the calendar moved into January that this would be his last year singing the national anthem at the Blues games. At that time, St. Louis was a last-place team. But the Blues turned it around and are currently making their way, hopefully for them, through the Western Conference Finals. The fans in St. Louis, even the team itself, consider Glenn to be an inspiration. And the longer the Blues play, the longer Glenn continues to sing the national anthem. Charles Glenn's dedication, his faithfulness to doing the job that he loves, even in the, the face of the pain that he suffers doing it, and then the response by the St. Louis Blues to keep him singing is what I like, you like that? this week. You like that? What I liked this week was Del Reed, co-founder of Bill's Mafia, joining up with an organization called the Teacher's Desk Buffalo to honor the late Buffalo Bills superfan Pancho Bila's last wish. Pancho, whose real name is Ezra Castro, passed away on Tuesday after a long battle with cancer. Ezra had asked that instead of flowers, people donate backpacks full of school supplies to kids who need them. Del Reed and Teacher's Desk gave Bill's fans a place to donate using the hashtag Poncho's Pack, and true to form, Bill's fans came through. Last I checked today, Teacher's Desk has received over $50,000, which will provide 5,000 backpacks full of school supplies for needy kids. You can donate at theteachersdesk.org slash donate and enter Poncho's Pack in the notes. $10 will provide supplies for one child. Del Reed and the Teacher's Desk honoring Poncho Bia's last wishes, what I like this week. I don't think there's a fan base in the NFL, Zach, that is better when it comes to charities and giving away things. The Bills rally around whatever it is, whether it's somebody on another team, they're just good at it. Yeah, and I know I'm probably biased as a member of the Bills fans 
fandom, but I don't know if there's a better fan base in sports. I mean, I know, look, we catch a lot of flack for jumping through flaming tables and stuff and being drunks all the time, but this is a fan base that is passionate and that cares and that's willing to put their money where their mouth is. We're at the end of our show. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. Join us again next week as we continue mixing sports talk with biblical perspective. But here's just one more thing. The New York Jets had a front office shakeup this week after firing GM Mike McCagnin. He was fired after four seasons in the GM office. New head coach Adam Gase will take over as interim GM. Gase has yet to coach a game for the Jets. In fact, the last time he served in the capacity of head coach, it was for their division rivals, the Miami Dolphins. Some reports suggest that there was friction between Gase and McCagnin, which everyone connected to the Jets not only dismissed, but they dismissed it rather vehemently. But from where we sit today, perhaps the reports were true after all. The source of the friction, what many reports say, was not so much the signings McCagnin had made, but the amount of money that he signed players such as Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley too. In the few days since McCagnin's dismissal was announced, the Jets have taken some criticism from a number of sports talk hosts and reporters for having not done this sooner. Had the Jets decided to clean house at the end of the season, by the way, their third straight losing season, let McCagnin go when they did coach Todd Bowles, it would have made sense. But they decided to stick with him. He was involved in the hiring of Gase. He had the authority to give out something like $125 million in guarantees to free agents. He more or less ran the recent draft. Clearly, the organization was hoping and planning that this relationship would work. I know debate is good for radio, and I know criticism, controversy, these things impact ratings. But fair is fair. And while making a change at the end of the season would have made sense, you have to give the, cred the Jets credit for at least trying to make this thing work, to see this thing through. There are two sides to this matter. And while listeners may enjoy when someone rants about something, and of course hosts are always willing to oblige, it does a disservice to one side or the other to not give credit where credit is due. As we now know, it didn't work out. Maybe it had little or no chance at all of working out. But I happen to think it's admirable that the Jets stuck with their guy as long as they possibly could. James 119 perhaps isn't the best model for sports talk radio, but it's right for responding to others and when sharing our opinion. James 119 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It may not have worked out for the Jets the way they had planned, but give them credit for trying. That's our show for this week. Remember, this radio program, five years of this radio program, Happy Anniversary, Zach, is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and, of course, your financial gifts that make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please continue keeping us in prayer, asking God that he would use this program to impact those who hear it, but that he would also provide financially for the cost of bringing this program to you. If you'd like to have a part in that plan, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. You can make a secure donation right there. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 